Okay. Well, we have Sue here uh, tonight, and then she's going to be the rest of the way minister to various sorts of you people. You people. So, anyway, come on up, Sue. It's always good to see Sue. I was trying to do the math again, the, by the way, this afternoon. I think you came in 2013. 2013. I think so. Yeah. Just set the record straight. Okay. Let's get it straight. Get it straight. Yeah, no confusion in the house of the Lord, right? Amen. He's not the author of. So why did he make women? You're on. All right. Someone shared with me today that they believe that we are more than just what we're doing for the Lord right now. Think about that. We are more than that. God has so much more to offer us. We don't have a clue. And it's because we don't trust him. We are satisfied with where we are. A lot of us are. You know, we get comfortable and we say, oh, this is okay. I'll just stay here till glory comes. Um, I just would challenge you. Why don't you just say, okay, what's next, Papa? What What do you want for me? What do you want? Just see. He says to us to test him and see that he is good. Why don't we do that this year? Be a good challenge for all of us, I think. So, um, I was sharing with, I think this is on all of our minds, the political situation in our country, the, the climate, um, the divisive climate that's here. And... Um, I've just, I've really been concerned about it. I just, I just have felt like, um, as so many people have said, we are really at the threshold of, of turning one way or the other. And, uh, perhaps, perhaps we would go back maybe to the Civil War, maybe that period in our, in our history, or even to the Revolutionary War. You know, there were a lot of people that didn't want to break away from England. Did you know that? And they were, they eventually ended up in Canada, which might explain something about Canadians. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, so it, we're not unaccustomed to this kind of, of anger and hostility and fear and um, prejudice in our country, but we've managed to overcome it. We've managed to move on. We've managed to kind of mend the fences, as it were. Uh, but I think we may be at one of the most serious times. And uh, I just wanted to share with you some thoughts that God's given me about all this. And um, I had told Larry um, that I had not listened to any any prophets. And oh, probably probably five or six months before Trump was elected, before the elections... God just told me that he had raised Trump up to be, he'd called Trump to be his Cyrus for this nation. And if you go back and look at Cyrus, he's an interesting man. He was not a Jew. He was a heathen. 
He offended their religious practices. I'm sure the old Jewish men would walk around going, oh, no, no, no. But he was given the commission by God and was given the anointing by God to come in and bring the Israelites back, bring the Jews back to Israel. They had been in Babylon all that time. And he also, also told them they were to rebuild the temple and rebuild Jerusalem. And so those are pretty interesting parallels if you really think about it. And people who believe in the prophetic and believe in the fulfillment of the word of God are looking at all of this pretty seriously and realizing there's a, I will warn you this much, there's a lot of religious organizations that don't go along with any of this at all. And just, I live in an area like that. I'm telling you, it's been so refreshing to be down here where people are free to talk about all of this seriously and not be, um, looked at like I ought to be locked up tomorrow or tonight if they can get me (laughs) but anyway and so um, Trump and this was key in the first year in the very first year in December before he had been right after uh, the December after he had been inaugurated declared that the U.S. Embassy in Israel would be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Major, major turn for this country. And it was all under God's leading. I was with some, bless their heart, Democratic friends of mine. <laughs> they they live in Georgia, so nobody knows them up here. And they both just stopped and were just stunned at that when you know when it comes on the at CNN of course that's what they were watching and I said well at least God's in agreement with him (laughs) they didn't have anything to say because they knew what the Bible said so and then God told me the shaking's going to start and in uh, Haggai 2 7, God says, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. And in Hebrews, He also he repeats that in the New Testament. I'm going to shake everything. And let's start thinking about all the things that have been shaken now in our country in the last year, really. It's only in the last year and a half. The financial institutions have been shaken. Everything that the previous administrations have told us that we'll never get those jobs back, the economy is about where it's going to get, you're never going to get much better. I've been listening to Rush. (laughs) Also in God. Not a bad combination. (laughs) But um, the financial, we're doing things financially that people said would never happen to this country again. We had passed that golden age of financial gain. Um, unemployment's at the lowest it's been in years. Uh, international agreements and relationships. I am blown away by the fact that this man, who is not a politician, has been willing to go in and sit down at the tables of business and say, let's make a deal. And we're going to get rid of those deals that didn't give us any benefits. And money and resources were pouring out of our country. We were being bled dry. And then the uh, and the fact that he stood up to the uh, who's that little guy in Korea they call oh, Kim. whatever his name is Kimmy. yeah Kimmy Rocket Man. Ro- what do you call him Rocket, Rocket Man 
<laughs> Elton John. Yeah, uh, uh, the little rocket man. You know, he's even come around. Now, you know, some of these people, we don't know how true they're going to be. And everybody said, oh, we're going to lose all our trade with Canada. It's going to be a disaster, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Canada signed a new NAFTA agreement. Isn't it amazing? Somebody's calling somebody's bluff. I mean, these are important issues. Now, we're not involved. We don't go sit down at the tables and advise Trump on any of this. But I'm telling you what, they are affecting our our world, our generation, and the generations to follow us. The Supreme Court balance, oh my goodness sakes, huge, huge, huge. And the fact that that man and his family had to go through what they had to go through. I watched her sit behind him, and there were so many times when she just held back those tears. She never lost her composure, but you watched her, and you could see it was breaking her heart for people to speak about her husband the way they did. They did everything in the world they could to destroy him, and he's still standing. And I believe that's because the prayers of God's people were calling for protection and direction for him. Uh, The political parties, look at the mess they're in. I, I really do want to say to some of my Democratic friends, bless their hearts, again, a lot of them, our liberal friends, I want to say to them, do you you really want to be identified with a party where the leaders are saying we need to blow up the White House, we need to assassinate this president? Do we really want to let that be who we are identified with? There's a blindness that's taken over those people. You talked about the um, squatter's rights. Something's gone on. I thought that was very appropriate, by the way. And our religious institutions, y'all may not get the news we do, but we live in an area of the country where there are a lot of Catholics. The Catholics came in and settled. The Jesuits came in and worked with the Indians up in the Northwest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the Catholic colleges were established by the Jesuits hundreds of years ago, 200 years ago. Which is very interesting. So you have a strong Catholic influence up where we are. And then all the way across the northern tier of the United States. Chicago, um, uh, Pennsylvania, all up into New England. They were, they were a little bit more... Um, uh, yeah, they were more... Uh, what am I trying to say? Not Catholic, but Protestant. Thank you, Protestant. But... Uh, they are raising, I mean, finally, 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 Catholic Church, as they should be, are being held accountable for the sins, literally, of the fathers, their priests. And, you know, the people in that church are confused. A lot of, you know, I, I know some, and they are just, they're bewildered. How did this happen to their denomination? How did this happen to their church? How did this happen to the organization? What's going to happen next? We don't know, but it's shaking. It's being shaken. And then the entertainment industry, my stars, what a deal. I mean, you know, you're just watching all this stuff. People that got away with murder, sexual sin, promiscuity, extravagant lifestyles, all of a sudden they're getting called to the carpet. And it's not a bad thing. And then our government agencies, they're being shaken. People are beginning to look at these things and say, wait a minute, what is really going on? 
And these are the obvious things that we see and that we're aware of. But what happens when things are shaken? What happens when things are shaken? Now, if you've ever shaken, uh, you know, maybe some... uh, I have big sunflowers in my backyard, and if you shake those after it's dry, you know, and you shake them, the the seeds all fall out. But that means then the, the... flower is no longer any good you can just cut it up and throw it away well what happens when shaking happens is shaking always precedes changes always you think about volcanoes there's a shaking you think about earthquakes there's a shaking and we are watching the shaking of so many institutions in the world, not just in our country, but in the world. I mean, we will have a worldwide effect. When it happens here, it ripples around the world. And that's why it's so critical for us to be aware of what's going on. Um, And what was expected or established as, oh, well, this is just the way we've always done things. They're being challenged, and they probably are going to be set aside, a lot of this stuff. That's why I said this morning, I think this is one of the most exciting times to live as a believer because we know who's doing the shaking. You know, we know it's not a threat from the communists. I grew up in the, I mean, I was in elementary school during the early 50s and stuff, and the atomic bomb had been developed, of course, and that had ended World War II. And then the Russians got a bomb, and then everybody lived in constant fear that we were going to have another nuclear attack and it would be against the United States. And so we you've seen those funny little ads where you stop and drop and get under your desk and cover your head and you're going to be safe from a nuclear bomb. I mean, for peace. If, if any of you younger people haven't seen that, you ought to see them. They're funny. I mean, and yeah, and you did it. You, you did it. Yeah, so it was, you know, how naive we were. Good grief. So things are shaking, and that was a shaking in our era. You know, we, we got real scared. And um, But one of the things that's been exposed is this, and I want to I'm, I'm, throw this open literally for discussion. What's the difference between tolerance and compassion? What's the difference? I don't know. I mean, I, I really have been searching this out. And I, of course, I always go to a dictionary to find out what the dictionary says, which was kind of not clear. It didn't suit my purposes. <laughs> but what is the difference between tolerance? We need to know this as believers. I firmly believe we need to know the difference. Maybe. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, you just jumped ahead about 15 minutes, but good for you. (laughs) Well, I took care of that. (laughs) You know, here's the deal. We have been, I, I feel like, almost beaten down as far as conservatives. 
to, to have, we, we've been, it's blind, requi- blind tolerance has been required of us mm-hmm. for us to be acceptable. Blind tolerance. Doesn't have anything about, and you're right about compassion. Doesn't have anything to do with compassion. It has to do with tolerance. Political correctness. I absolutely cannot stand that phrase anymore. And my kids, I'll say somebody about somebody being an Oriental person, and my daughter will say to me, Mother, that is not politically correct. And I say, What am I supposed to call them? A chink or something? No. (laughs) That goes back a couple of generations. They're Asians, mother, not Orientals now. For those Asians, for those of you who don't know, you just learned something tonight. Yeah, but I mean, really, I mean, this is everything. You have we have to be so guarded about what we, how we say, what we want to say, and where we say it. Absolutely, I'm beginning to think that may not be the right path for us to take. Not that we want to be disrespectful or hurtful and that's that's we can't be prejudiced and uh, anyway it, it's just it's, this is a hard time honestly for us who have been uh, raised in the church and have been conservative we have a conservative outlook we believe in the law the rule of law we believe in the constitution of our country because we live here and it has served us well, and it served Pastor. We believe in all of that, and yet we're being told we don't have a voice. That's exactly where they want us to get, no voice. And I'm, I think we, well, we do have a voice, but we've got to figure out how to, attack, how to use that. Our standards, all of our standards of um, acceptable attitudes and behavior has been diminished. And mockery has become the humor of the day. Uh, compromise now is the norm. We've got to compromise everything. So how do we as believers continue to live without becoming overwhelmed or frightened or just giving up? How do we do that? We've got to learn how to do it. Who says what? Somebody said something. Yeah. But we've got to be a little bit... I had to cut and take. Tolerance is showing willingness to allow for the existence of opinion and behavior that we don't necessarily agree with. That's, but it's without any compassion. It's saying, okay, compassion goes that extra mile and said, you know what, I may not agree with you, but I see you're hurting. I see you need something. I'll walk with you the next. That's the difference. And um, we need to, um, let's see, concern about, I'm concerned about the lies and the anger and the violence that has developed in this nation in the past two years. I've never seen anything like it. And it, if you're not a believer, it's frightening. But we know who has a fire hose and can cool those people down. Political correctness demands that I can't object or disagree with homosexuality or LBGT or whatever those letters are. I can't disagree or object to abortions. PC expects me to accept lifestyles and life choices that are clearly noted in our Bible as sin. We are being told 
you can't call it sin anymore. They're just finding themselves. So how do we live in this? And this is a serious issue. I, I don't know that the church will has addressed it. I don't know how people are, how leaders are, lead, you know, talking about it. I'm not hearing much about this, but I think this is going to be the next issue for our church. Um, we, I don't believe we can wait for our church or our denomination to set policy. Um, I think I'm, I'm just talking about you and me as believers. It doesn't matter what church we go to. We're believers. We believe in the word of God. And what he says is, thou shalt not kill. And I believe with all my heart that when we gave permission and endorsed abortions, I believe the spirit of murder and suicide was released in this nation. And we are... we. We we are living with a whirlwind of murder now and suicide. Look at Chicago for Pete's sake. I mean, it's scary. And they have more and more and more police officers, and it still doesn't help. <laughs> well, bless their hearts. <laughs> Jesus said we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. What does that mean right now? What does that mean right now? And I have to tell you, thinking about all this, and and I do believe the Lord asked me to look at this, uh, it's made me really stop and think about what is what is my what am I doing? You know what what am I saying? What am I not saying? And the other thing is, and I think this is critical: what do we believe? Why do we believe it? I think every one of us need to look at that question: What do you really believe? And what, why? Why do you believe it? We need to, that doesn't hurt to refresh that commitment to whatever it is you believe. And, and um, I just, I wonder, well, what is the point of all of this? You know, that scripture that I talked about this morning. Oh, by the way, let me back up just a little bit. I think, I believe, and I believe the Lord has shown me that there are, millions of men and women who are quietly going about their work doing their taking responsibility for themselves and their family doing what they believe they're supposed to be doing and they just don't put signs in their yard and they don't march in parades and they don't they don't uh, scream on TV they just keep doing what they've always done which is to make this country great again. See, I don't believe that the God, I don't believe this country has fulfilled the plan and purpose Amen. that God established. And I'm going to tell you something that's kind of scary. My grandson just graduated from Washington State University last spring, and he is a very bright young man, graduated with honors. He has a degree in social studies and history, and I happen to have, uh, I was engaged with him for a period, oh, maybe took a couple of hours the other day, taking him someplace, and he was, um, he was talking to me about the history of the country, and he said, well, you know, uh, if the other countries hadn't helped us, we would not have been a country. This is what is being taught in our colleges and especially in the liberal schools. 
And I said, what do you mean, Josh? And he said, well, he said, uh, Germany came over and helped us, and England helped us an awful lot. And he just named all these things. And I said, do you really believe? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, it's history. Yeah. That's what they're believe. That's what they're being taught. These kids are being brainwashed to believe. And I told him, I said, I don't, I don't think that's. I said, Josh, I think this country would have developed on its own. I think God had sent. I think God called people to come to this country to be. We are such a unique country. There's no other place in the world where races, cultures, religions have blended. And the enemy wants to tear that apart now. That's what we're seeing. We're being attacked at the very fiber. And God has not finished with this country. Trump underlined that when he made the commitment to Israel to stand with them. And I've, I've seen that he's pulled away from negotiating with the Hamas, which is the other side, isn't it? Okay. And they're furious. They're just, they're just about to, Wet their pants, pardon me, you didn't hear that from the pulpit. But they don't know what to do with him. He is, a, you know, everybody's scared to death he's going to hit that red button on the desk of the president and cause a, he's not going to do that. You know, he's, and have you noticed in the last few months he's been, he's talking more about, he's referring more to God. Have you, has anybody else noticed that? About God blessing us and God being, he's, God be with those people who lost, you know, were killed and, you know. And I'm listening to him and thinking, this was not the man that was inaugurated. He's not. And there's a lot of press going into that. So, all of that, all that being said, um, the, this, that's one of the things. Oh, and then Josh also said to me, he was riding the, he told me on the same conversation. So it was a political workout when I'm with him. He's, he said, um, I, I, ro- I was, we rode by Planned Parenthood today, and those, there were people out protesting. And I said, really? What about? And he said, well, you know, they, they think it's wrong to um, abort a baby. And I said, Josh, you don't want to go there with me because I think it is too. And he said, um, well, I had such a crappy childhood uh, he said, I, I, uh, he said, I wouldn't want anybody else to go through what I had to go through. And he said, I can understand if somebody's gotten pregnant, they want this, their baby to go through that. And I said, I want to tell you something. I said, well, when do you think a baby begins? And he said, well, probably after birth when they become a viable human being. And I said, I don't agree with that. Life begins at conception. Really? Well, praise God. I, I've been out of touch. Oh, I'm sure. You know what the problem is? Anything that we think is convenient, we want to have a law to endorse that activity. Think about it. I got pregnant. Oops. Okay, well, I don't want another baby, so I'm going to go get an abortion. It's not convenient for me. And we're asked to support that. I don't know. Well, and I tell you, you know, and you think about the convenience, we're unhappy in our marriage. 
you know, well, he's mean to me. He doesn't talk to me anymore. I'm going to get a divorce. It's convenient to get a divorce. You know, you can just, you start, you use that framework of convenience. You begin to look at the different things and that the way our society has changed. You know, I've told y'all, and I've shared this with our kids. We had a memorial service for Harry this summer, and I told, you know, we were married. We would have been married 59 years the next day after he died. So, yeah. And I told my kids, I said, now I want to tell you all something. Um, it wasn't always easy. It, you know, it was, it was hard. We had five teenagers at one time. That's enough to make anybody want to run for the hills. And um, But Harry and I had the understanding and the agreement, whoever filed for divorce got the kids. <laughs> made my kids feel real good. But I said, it's the truth. I said, you know, it's just, it's, neither one wanted to raise those five kids by ourselves, so we figured we could stick it out. And I'm so glad we did, because after Harry retired, and after the kids were all out of the house, even though they came back, um, we, we learned who we really were. And it was a very wonderful redemption. I will use that word, a redemption of some of the difficult, hard, sad, tragic things we had to go through. So God, just because God talks about redemption, it doesn't mean in the here, you know, in the yonder. God wants to redeem things in our lives right now. He really does. He wants to redeem. Offer, he offers us redemption Right now. And I have experienced that over and over and over. Um, I can't wait to get back and tell Josh something. I'm going to tell him he's got to let go of his childhood. That if he hangs on to that, that's who he's going to become. You know. He's, anyway, he doesn't know what's going to hit him. (laughs) And so... um, I, anyway, back to that crowd of people. I do believe that there is, we, we've been called the silent majority. And that's true. And there, I believe with all of my heart, there are many, many people in this land that still believe in all of the things that God called this land to be and has called them to be. My prayer has been that God is going to raise up every one of those people to go to the polls and vote. Because right now, that's the loudest voice we have. We talk about wanting to make a difference. We talk about how can we change things. It's going to be this election. And I'm not even running for office. How about that? And so I wondered, Lord, you know, how do we... Okay, so I'm going to tie that into this morning. Because the second half of the scripture that I use this morning, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, or whatever it is. The second is so is likewise, love your neighbor as yourself. That's basically what we're looking at right now in this nation. How are we loving our neighbor? How are we interacting with those that don't think like we do? How you know? We as Christians, we have access. To something that uh, non-believers don't have, and we not, we have that love of God, which is why I talked about a little bit about that this morning. Now I got to turn on this thing. Hope and pray I've got the right deal. <laughs> yeah, I always carry a version of the Bible that's really heavy, 
and I put it in my carry-on thingy. Oh, fooey. There it is. And I put it in my carry-on, and it was so heavy, I thought, I can't lift this up over my head. So what I did, I thought, I wonder if I could pull it up on my iPad. See, I'm learning. (laughs) And this is what I want to share with you. And it's a very familiar scripture to you. But I think it's pertinent right now. We need to embrace this. And Paul's writing to the Corinthians. And he says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have love, remember, love your neighbor, and I don't have love, I am become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but I have not love. I'm nothing. If I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love doesn't pump itself up, is not puffed up. It doesn't behave unseemly. It doesn't seek its own. Now, think about that and some of those images we've seen on TV. I haven't seen one bit of love being shared. And that's just the sad part of it. Something came up. Heck. Go away. There. Um, It doesn't seek its own. Let's see. Love suffers long and is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't puff itself up. Doesn't behave itself unseemly. Doesn't seek its own way. It's not provoked. Well, that's something to think about. Because I get real provoked. (laughs) It It takes no account of evil. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. That's the key. And I ask God, you know, how how do we love our enemies? How do we love our enemies? How do we show them that we love them? Well, Christ is our example. But how do we love our neighbors? Those people that live around us, that live in your house, they're your family. It's this. It's this love that we... um, and the only, Paul wrote it so well. He said, you know, he, with this, he wrote it in this chapter. Go back and read it again. Read it in another version. Read it in whatever version. Passion's good. A message is good. Any of those versions. Read it and see what, how they say, what, how do we love? Paul is telling us this is what love is. And how do we get from where I am? How do I get from where I am to where that is? By putting my hand in God's hand and saying, okay, teach me how to love. 
I'm willing to learn. I want to learn. I need to learn. In today's time, right now, this is where you've called us to be. This could be our finest hours, believers. This really could be. It's the biggest challenge we've ever faced. But this could be our finest hour. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is to love God with all our heart and let Him love us and us to know His love. And then we're going to have so much love in us, we're going to love other people. I I, I know that is happening in my life. Um, It's just... uh, it would be so easy to get mad at my grandson and just want to tell him, I just don't talk about that in front of me. But you know what? He needs to be challenged. He's bright enough I can challenge him. Now, he's, he says he's an atheist. and But you know what? I, I know more. Because as a, baby, as a little boy, he gave his heart to Jesus and was baptized. Uh-huh. So you know how I'm praying for that, and we all need, you know, we've, we've all got fallen members, or we know fallen people, people that once knew the Lord and have gotten unhappy with Him, or, or whatever. Um, I know that there's truth still in their spirit, and in their soul, and I know there's life there, and I'm calling forth that life and that truth. I don't have to preach to Josh. God's going to do it for me. The Holy Spirit's still busy. You know, and these are just some things that I've been thinking about. And anybody have any comment on any of this? Anybody heard any more about, I mean, anybody anybody that listens to prof- Prophets about talking about any of this stuff, like our nation. Well, last three weeks we were talking about shaking. So okay. Yeah. yeah. That shaking is interesting, isn't it? Very much. And it could be a fearful time for us. You know, we see so many changes happening all of a sudden. But change is not always bad. Sometimes it's really good. And... Um, if God's in charge, I think He's going to have it be good. That's my. I don't think I don't know if God showed it to me, or I was just praying and had this little deal going. But when Jesus was, or when Moses was getting ready to be born, the Pharaoh killed all the baby boys. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I don't think Moses was the only one that got put in a little basket down the river, but he did wind up in the palace. Yeah. And when Jesus was born, Herod went out to wipe all the little baby boys out too. Mm-hmm. I cannot help but think who is fixing to be born, or who has been born and has already slipped through. Mm-hmm. Just <clears throat> and that's what abortion has done. It's yeah. Not our youth out. That's right. And we're having a big deal with immigrants coming in now but we killed our population of workers so yeah we're not going to develop as a nation if we can't get somebody in here to go to work well that's a whole other part that I hadn't even thought about but you're right yeah um
medical insurances are exempt. Mm -hmm. that those are not inalienable rights. You work for those things. Yeah. But they're not being taught that. They expect it. Cell phones, glasses, hearing aids, yeah. whatever. There is a sense of entitlement in this country that's been, I don't know exactly how or where it crept in, but um, it, it's a, what is entitlement? I mean, how does that, what does that do to a person if you live with a sense of entitlement? Okay, thank you. Lawlessness. Okay. That's interesting. Huh. Um. Pride? Yeah. I'm special. Yeah. Yeah. That would be... I see that with some of my grandkids. You know, not all of them, but some of them. And um, we, I don't know that we've given them enough sense of responsibility, you know, as parents. Uh, share, anyway, that's a whole other thing. But we, we um, I just, I, I, again, I challenge this congregation. I know y'all are staying on top of all this. Pray for the, pray for the people who are registered voters in this country. Who never, like I said, never put a sign up, never go march in a parade, never go protest, never go sign a petition. But they're going to, you know, they're farmers, they're ranchers, they're housekeepers, they're school teachers. They'll go in and they're going to vote. And just pray that this election, the people that are elected are the ones that God wants in place. Not who we think ought to go in, but who does God want in place? I was trying to tell him who to make sure got elected, and he kind of corrected me on that. And he said, "Let me handle that." <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that that really is how I've been praying for this election, Lord. Just you know, let the ones that you know can serve you, let them be elected. So, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. And that may be somebody across the country. It may be somebody across the street. It may be somebody living in your house. <laughs> love your neighbor. Well, let's pray. Father, I just thank you that as believers... We are privileged to know your love. To know that we truly are loved by God. But more than that, that you want us to love you. And as we receive and we turn around and give back to you, you cause that love to just grow in us. It's not measured. It just overflows. And we can share that love. It's not a work of sharing our love. It's a privilege. It goes beyond a responsibility, an assignment. It's a privilege to be a child of God and know your love and then share your love. And so I just pray, Lord, that in this season of 
our country's life that you will raise up more and more believers who love you, who know your love, and are allowing that love to flow into their neighborhoods, their neighbors, whether they're Muslims, whether they're Christians, whether they're Catholics, whether they're Hindu, whatever, Lord. They, you still love them. We don't understand that kind of love, but you want us to. And so, Father, just raise us above ourselves. Let us walk the high road with you through this election. Do our part as you bless this nation. We are so grateful to live in this country, Lord. We are so thankful to you for all the things that you have offered to us living here. And we pray for our president and our vice president and the members of Congress that they will have the wisdom to know how to deal with the issues that they're facing. Give them the courage of their convictions, Lord. Give us the courage of our convictions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Political.